I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Plugin Boutique and Isotope have hooked up to offer you, dear listener, an absolutely banging deal. They've combined Softcube's App Room plugin suite of amps, effects, and cabs with Isotope's Element suite of mixing, fixing, and mastering tools. All for 80 quid for 94 US dollars or 94 euros. That's 217 pounds less than if you would have purchased the plugins individually. The idea behind the bundle is to provide you with everything you need for at home studio based guitar production, including amp simulators, multiple effects units and high quality mixing and mastering tools. Pretty much exactly what every guitar nerd needs. Now Isotope plugins have been friends of the podcast for many years. You're listening to the production quality of Isotope's Nectar, RX and Ozone every time you listen to an episode of Guitar Nerds. Their Element Suite offers assistive technology to cut down the guesswork and required expertise to get release quality recordings. And Softcube's Amp Room offers a really comprehensive range of bass and guitar amps cabs and effects in fact that's what you're listening to right now go check out this incredible bundle at pluginboutique.com or follow links in the description of this podcast And welcome to the Guitar Nerds Podcast, the world's number one guitar podcast. I am your host, Joe Branson, joined this week by Matt Knight. I'm drinking a beer. And Jay Cross. Uh, I'm drinking peach squash in sparkling water. Ah, that's nice. I've uh, I've set myself up with a few drinks because I know it's an an hour podcast, so I know it's going to take that up. No, no, not like that. As in, I have a nice lemon water. Uh, you know, J- Jay, you recently recommend that I drink more water, so I've been drinking a lot of water. So I've got some water with a little life slice hack. of lemon. Yeah, <laughs> life, life hack. Life hack. Life hack. You want to live longer? <laughs> <laughs> keep 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 your ear to the ground here, kids, because I tell you what. <laughs> So I've got one of those. I've got a green tea. I've got a nice green tea, and I have uh, I have a small Oban uh, scotch. Um, so you've got four drinks in front three of drinks, you. Three drinks. Three water drinks. Water with lemon in uh, a green tea and an Oban scotch. Right. Which okay. I'll, I'll drink the scotch first. And, <laughs> yeah. Then the and then green tea, green tea chaser. Yes. Yeah, there may be the water at some point in the next year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I've been good. I've, I've been, you know, got to get that water. It's actually made a big difference, Jay. Other than I'm having to go to the <laughs> toilet a lot more, but, you know, I feel, yeah, I you feel good for it. drinking water. I can just imagine, like, the imaginary people inside your body working your organs just being like, oh, my God, 
we're not prepared for this. <laughs> uh, yes, it's it's yes, it's, it's, your it's, liver it's, it's weird a for me too. <laughs> That's it. So how much how much water are you drinking then? I don't know, man. Like you know, quite a few. I've got these like oversized wine glasses, and I pop a little <laughs> slice of lemon in every morning. I'm topping that up all the time. I reckon I'm doing, I don't know, six, seven One. of those a day. It's good. <laughs> nice. It's good. So that's probably it's, that's probably you know two and a bit liters. That's good. Right. It's it's a great way to not drink booze. Actually, to always have a water. Like you don't yeah. feel you know when you get thirsty and you want a beer. Uh, instead, I'm having yeah. a water. It's a yeah. great. It's good. Good life <laughs> I've hack got, for me. I've got like a a water bottle, like a 750 mil reusable water bottle that I just have with me basically all the time, and I wow. I do probably four or five of those a day, just like constantly re- refilling it. But That's and then what like. We should- it's just, Sorry. but it's easy because, like, you know, I work at home and the toilet's right there. So it's, you know, you can't do it. You can't really do it if you're out and about all the time. But uh, yeah, I definitely feel a lot better. It's something that I started trying to do when when we went into lockdown, just to make sure I wasn't like, you know, annihilating myself. And uh, yeah, it does make you feel a lot better. Drinking it is water. a good idea. Maybe maybe that should be our next piece of merch: a guitar nerd's uh, water bottle. Oh, that's a great idea. No. We could do them in a two-pack so that you so you can have them when you're out and about. So one filled with water and one for when, you know, the water's passed through. <laughs> what, so you refill it? Well, maybe we could put a filter in. Kevin Costner had a little filter, didn't he? In Waterworld. In Waterworld, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it See, wasn't a little... That was like a full-on chemistry set. It was quite complicated, but, you know, it was <laughs> good. He had a bit chemistry of it. Set. He fed his plant a little bit of it. I'll look into it. Maybe it's something we can uh, we can do. May I uh, see it lo- maybe it Kevin looks like something, about. It looks like something that came from the Zvex custom shop. Oh, that's true. Maybe you we know could that have candle one. powered pedal what that was they it did. Called? Was it called the Candelabra? I yeah, it was the it was Candelabra. Called, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's uh, what I think of. That I mean, <laughs> that's yeah. That's that's kind of what I think of when I think of that pedal. Is that scene of Waterworld? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder uh, if that that should be the next thing that Zachary Vex uh, Zachary Vex makes like a uh, you know some sort of filtering effect pedal that you could you know provide some fluid on and it would. Uh, well, it would I mean, you know, I, I suppose that's what the um, the mini bar uh, Ranger yeah, the Ranger the Ranger mini bar yeah. yeah worked on the I viscosity mean. of the of the fluid. Very weird. Very, very weird. Very cool. Very cool. Very cool. Very cool. But yes, you know, uh, um, anyway, dear listeners, speaking of, uh, no, there's no segue there. That's, that's, that's terrible. But we, uh, you know, <laughs> I mentioned it a lot on the, on the Guitar Nerds Facebook group. Uh, this week just gone, um, Ashdown had a pop-up shop, Ashdown and Mia's Headphones had a pop-up shop on Denmark Street in London, the heart of rock and roll in uh, in the UK I think and uh, you know it's, it's so it was wonderful to get to be there I got to sort of hang out at the shop for a couple of days and and on one night during the week we had we had kind of a, an event where we had we we launched a, an amplifier we had artists down to play we had ashdown beers we had you know canapes and stuff like that and and a lot of celebrity guests um and uh, you know and we, and we all got to go along which was which was a whole bunch of fun i had a really uh, a really good time matt it was lovely to see you there oh you know always out there for you joe looking yeah. at your failures past present <laughs> and future no oh, it was very go, good yeah. <clears throat> it was very good it's always nice to go 
to Denmark Street um, and always just... I always have my first memory of Denmark Street properly, which I don't know how I heard of it. I guess it was an advert in probably like Total Guitar or Guitarist magazine. But yeah, I remember a day trip to London uh, with a friend and family. And uh, yeah, went to Denmark Street, Soho Soundhouse, second floor, bought myself a Line 6 FM4, was way oh. too much money, had to write a check. <laughs> Um, oh, your life was your life. Your life has never been the same since. It's never been you the same wrote since. A check. Oh, well, I yeah. I mean, it. this was like what two thousand three. People still had checks then. Wow. Um, yeah. So I remember writing a check. I remember making a signature and then querying my signature. And I was like, I don't know. I'm like fourteen. Don't have to write my signature <laughs> very often, do I? Um, yeah. And I just remember it being a crazy street. And then. Not not gone very often since I've moved to London, but every time I go, it's obviously like diminished somewhat. Although there is one new store on there, sixty six sounds on the end is mm-hmm. there, um, which I think is for former employee of Macari's. Um, right. But of course, Macari's closed their door. Um, you know, well, they've just relocated. Of course, they've moved. They have, uh, yeah. But you, um, uh, where have they moved? I can't remember. It doesn't. Hayward Teeth, I think, isn't it? Hayward Teeth. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it's just I was I can't remember who I was saying it to, but you just can't imagine what that street must have been like in like nineteen fifty nine. I think when like the first music store opened, and then within ten years, you know that was the music scene for kind the of hub. like the whole of, not just the UK but like the whole of Europe. It was like the the mecca of guitar and all the studios there where all the stuff was recorded and like none of that exists anymore and um i think uh old gat customer friend of the podcast ray russell studio legend was actually part of a documentary that i think was supposed to be happening or coming out saw and post about about telling a lot of the history and a lot of the session work he spent a lot of his time in the 60s and 70s doing a lot of session work on there but yeah, just very, very crazy. And the people, I guess, growing up and playing guitar today will will never know of that um, of that street. It's a, sh- a yeah. real so shame. What, do you know? Do you know what the first shop, the first guitar shop was that opened there? I have a feeling it was Rose Morris, which is still there. Um, okay. I think Macari's was nineteen sixty four. Um. Because obviously, uh, and then you had, what's his name, Cliff Cooper had a street on there, Orange. Yeah. Um, so I don't well, know. Orange do still hire a, a little space. Um, uh, they do, yeah. Somewhere, somewhere where um, next to uh, Stairway to Kevin, um, around there, Aid has his own little little area where where i think is yeah a little studio where they've i think that's where they filmed their um uh blast cult uh the orange blast cult custom shop uh guitar hybrids that they did i think they shot the videos for them there um here's a little bit of information lawrence wright because I think uh, the street was also a space for music publishing. So Lawrence Wright was the first music publisher to set up premises on Denmark Street in 1911. He subsequently wow. founded the musician's journal Melody Maker in 1926. Mm. Um, and it's funny, like Melody Maker is where you see all of these, uh, you know, that's where so many of these bands in the, in the 60s and 70s, like that's where you went to go and find members. And, um, like I, I've seen, 
uh adverts from there from like yeah from the 70s being like oh looking for sax player to join our ska band like cool sugs or whatever and like oh looking for a guitar player to join new pub rock band cool johnny rotten or whatever and it's like you know basically all of these uh, you know not the sex pistols but like loads of these iconic bands just found members through melody makers it's wow. really funny really really weird when you see those things in in real life mm. But yeah, I think there's there's a lot of there's a lot of history there, and I think you can lot read about Sex Pistols record um, rehearsed there for the first time somewhere on Denmark Street. Elton John wrote and only his, time probably and only time. Yeah, John Elton John wrote his first hit single on Denmark Street. Um, yeah, it's a lot of big history, but I don't know. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I think there was a really famous cafe there, which, I mean, imagine walking to a cafe and seeing, uh, just looking here, David Bowie, the small faces, Jimi Hendrix. I was just walking into a, co- a coffee shop in like the 60s. Just all like, sat there. Wow. Just all sat there, just hanging out. Um, I'll tell you, I've been, uh, I've been speaking of Sex Pistols, I've been listening to Sex Pistols quite a lot recently. Um, and uh, I kind of... I was speaking to a friend about uh, a, a Dutch friend um, about the Sex Pistols a few a few months ago, and he was it came up and British people I think in general uh, kind of just roll our eyes at the Sex Pistols a little bit because it's like oh this sort of joke band whatever like it's all just it was all just a little bit too try hard blah 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 and um, I was speaking to my friend for, who who grew up in in the Netherlands and he was like. We didn't get that at all. Like for us, the Sex Pistols, and for like lots of people in in Europe, the Sex Pistols, like the kind of um, the the pastiche that a lot of British people saw with them, that didn't translate. And for us, it was just like, wow, this music is unbelievable. This is like nothing I've ever heard before. And um, I kind of went back and listened. To, you know, I, I mean, I bought Nevermind the Bollocks when I was about 13 and uh i uh i went back and listened to it like the whole way through fairly recently and it's so good like it's so so when you kind of listen to it with just fresh ears and you listen to it kind of ignoring all the uh the zeitgeist around the band and you know all the uh kind of um all the controversies and and uh and just like the kind of like the fact that they turned into a bit of a cartoon character a group of cartoon characters like the record is so good and some of the some of the guitar playing is is fantastic it sounds wicked so i yeah like really interesting getting getting the uh the take of uh someone from outside the uk on uh on that yeah, band because it re- really changed my mind on him 
It's kind of a good point. I can't think like, you know, the, the uh, same as you. Last time I listened to that record would have been years and years ago. And yeah. I don't think I've ever listened to it without everything that was associated with it. So it would be, yeah, it would be good to come back to it now and kind of try and listen to it, as you said, with, with fresh ears and without considering any of that. Like taking it for music and, and seeing how yeah, it, completely. How it and, fares. You know, yes, they were kind of this, to a degree, this like manufactured band or whatever. But like they really were doing stuff that hadn't properly been done before. You know, there was, there was like pub rock, which was similar to this. And obviously um, the Ramones were playing really fast and doing some great stuff a couple of years earlier in New York, but like in, in the UK, it, it wasn't, people weren't really doing it. And sure. It might've taken this almost kind of, uh, yeah. Cartoon-esque stereotype of, Okay, this is what punk is now. Um, to to sort of drive it forward, but I I think a lot of people I, I think a lot of people my age um, definitely kind of have a lot of reservations about the Sex Pistols because we got into the Sex Pistols because you were supposed to like the Sex Pistols if you're a punk, yeah. Um, and uh, or they were like an easy band to get into, uh, but our parents just always thought it was just so silly um that my kind of memory of it was tainted but uh no i i I think that record is is well well worth another listen um it's yes some some absolutely great songs on that record i will yeah i will certainly i will revisit it um now you you know coming back to uh denmark street matty did you get a chance to to pop out amongst the other shops at all before you came and uh, hung out with me at the Ashdown oh, pop-up shop? I was too busy being the uh, social Joe. To, oh, uh, really? Oh, well, how um, about that? Oh, you know, lots of people, you know, um, you know, talking, handing out business cards. No, uh, stealing, <laughs> uh, stealing yourselves. No, um, uh, no, I didn't. But I, ha- I had gone round fairly recently and I realised that it is only like 40 minutes from my house like right. door to door um, oh, dude i'd be there every day yeah i think i have i have been there and the last few times i've been there the, the shops to go to to see something maybe a little bit different than like hanks no tom uh i do like region sounds is really good um looking dealer uh, and they do a lot of fender and they do a lot of gretch which is really really cool um one joe's one joe one joe's is good yeah although one Joe's opposite Rose Morris, which is where you had the shop, is closed, but it's moved somewhere else. I don't know where it's moved it's, to. It's it's not moved. It's still on that street. It's that they've shot one of the shops. One Joe's at their, you know, when they were at their strongest, I think they owned like three of the shops they on did, that street. Yeah. So they've just they've just kept the one that's in the middle. It's it's almost opposite No Tom's. Yeah, um, right. Okay. Yeah, that's, um, that's where the Wondros that is open. I I really like Wondros because Wondros tends to have you know, dear listener, if you're not familiar with with these shops, then No Tom and Hanks, No Tom are very good at very rare vintage gear. Hanks are very good at very rare vintage gear that cost over ten grand. And Wondros manages to have cool, unusual stuff, but often without the price tag. Like you'll find a cool, weird K or a Harmony or you know some. Tr- transistor high watt amp that they made for a year in the 70s you know it's it's that sort of place you find rare oddities in in one joe's yeah um, um actually last time i was within one joe's was quite an um was about i want to say three years ago 
and it was actually with Nick Reinhardt and one old rep. <laughs> oh, wow. And uh, we were looking at some weird. Where and, did you guys and, go when you, you know, what did what caught Nick's eye in Denmark? Uh, the, well, we went because one had been there before and remembered one Joe's, and they always had some quirky bases. And he was down there trying a oh some quirky brand that you'd like, Joe. I can't some remember quirky brand. Um, okay. Yeah. I think we went there and then we went for beers. Um, but I don't think that I, I don't think Nick had ever been, but I think one had been before. Right. So we right, thought we'd I take see. a look. Um, but yeah, it's, I guess it's a shame because it's ne- it wasn't the glory that it was, especially what I remember like mm. 20 years ago. Um, but uh, I do think people focus on that a lot. Like there's still some amazing Oh, there's still some stuff. great shops there. I think the problem is it's one side of the street is like a building site and it sort of yeah. doesn't it doesn't have the kind of uh prettiest feel to it. It is in the still in the midst of a building site. And I think once it's all done, I think it will be a great hub once again. Um Mark Mr. Mark Packham was saying that they've actually built a venue underneath the street. That's right. Um, yeah, that's so there's right. like a three floored and underground, like it goes under the street, like two and a half thousand capacity venue, um, which is very cool. So no doubt bringing some some more music back. Um, and, and I think, yeah, there'll be an influx of people moving into that area. I mean, it's so well connected. You're you know, five minutes walk from Soho, Leicester Square, um, yeah. Chinatown. And that is a great Oxford Circus. Yeah, yeah, it's a great place like in London. Uh, you know, it really is in the hub. But yeah, if you want to go and see some sort of stuff that you wouldn't normally see from most mm. other guitar shops because people just wouldn't trade it in or they just don't deal in that. It's definitely good for that. Um, yeah. And yeah, on a side note, if you did want to go to a similar street, and I was reminded of this the other day, I think someone posted about it on Instagram and I didn't, it does have a name, but I can't remember that there's a street in Paris that's like 40 guitar shops. And I did the actually, a, a guy that I, I work with actually took me there and I was like, he didn't explain it was like the guitar street. And I was like, so many guitar shops here. This is weird. And, and a very, very similar vibe to, to Denmark street as well. So uh, yeah, if you're ever in yes, France. The, the, the area is called Pigalle, uh, P-I-G-A-L-L-E. And that's where like all the, all the, yeah, there's like a load of music shops there. It's the whole. Yeah. And they're all like, there's lots of like specialized shops there. There's like a left-handed shop and there's a pedal shop and, and all sorts. I've, I've not been, but I've heard it's really cool. Really, really cool. Guitar nerds are teaming up with Music Nomad. Since 2010, Music Nomad Equipment Care has been making premium and innovative guitar care products used and trusted every day by top guitar repair shops, guitar makers and touring techs in over 40 countries. Pro quality but affordable, Music Nomad is also the go-to for countless guitar players around the globe to help guitars look, sound and play their best. After two years of research and development and in a collaboration with top guitar repair shops, Music Nomad has developed the Keep It Simple setup. They demystified the guitar setup process by developing innovative precision gauges and tools combined with step-by-step general guidelines anybody can follow and set up their guitar to play and sound great. With their KISS method and their gauges, you can check the vital areas of your guitar and use their toolkits to perform your own setups. They have a 24-page instructional booklet available in seven languages, downloadable for free, loads of how-to videos, as well as complete setups 
set up video tutorials for popular brands such as Fender, Gibson, Taylor, PRS and more. Not only is it fun, but a properly set up guitar takes your playing and sound to a whole new level. Learn more at musicnomadcare.com. Follow them on social media with at musicnomadcare and kiss your guitar with Music Nomad's Keep It Simple setup. Very cool. Well, I I did get the chance to to pop around the shops on the on the the day before we had the event on the Wednesday. So I went around to actually just you know inviting everyone to the party on Thursday, but also to you know to check out their incredible wares. And I saw some fantastic stuff. In fact, actually, you know, before I go into that on the Wednesday, um, who should show up in the Ashdown shop but Yogi the guitarist? Um, came in to to see me with uh, with Gary from uh, Stairway to Kevin. Um, Matt, I don't know if I, you use Stairway to yeah. Kevin, right? Spoke about him a few times on the podcast. Absolutely, great Absolutely. guys. But but yes, Yogi and Gary popped in to say hi, which was lovely. Yogi had brought in uh, this parts caster that he's been working on. Dear listener, I don't know if you've seen it on his Instagram or maybe shared on the Guitar Nerds group, but it's a. Uh, it's a satin black uh, Telecaster with like a single ply scratch. And then uh, it's a solid rosewood neck, but it is thicker than it is. It is the thickest neck I've ever seen. It, is, it, makes, it makes a 52 Tele look, you know, like a ibanez <laughs> it's it's just it's an incredible baseball bat of a neck it's absolutely ridiculous and he's got what, a he, of... what, what had he done is he, he brought that along to like take it to the shard or something somewhere where there's loads and loads of stairs just to like <laughs> i really needed to step it up probably yeah i think he was having it set up oh that's right he was having the nut redone i think gary was redoing the nut because he'd he'd set it up with i think he said 12s and uh, in in uh, I think he said D standard. So Gary was just sorting out the nut for that, which I thought was was funny because most of my guitars have twelves on in D standard. I have never redone a nut on any of them, so uh, you know I didn't really know that would ever be a thing. But uh, he played. You know he, they both sat down and sort of played the guitar through the little Ashdown uh, Peacemaker minis, which you know we'll we'll talk about in a bit. But you know it was it was lovely to kind of to see them and get to hang out with them and hear his incredible telly. The, the best part about that telly creamery pickups and in the bridge normal telly looking pickup but it's a p90 um which i haven't i haven't seen yet i've been meaning to check out on the creamery website but creamery a brand who that like they're all their stuff looks fantastic it's very simple like a relatively small catalog in comparison to a lot of other pickup makers and also a relatively traditional palette of stuff. Like it's not just trying to make things look weird or something ludicrously high output or anything like that. A fairly sort of conservative range of traditional pickups, but oh man, a P90 without, you know, without having to sacrifice those classic telly looks. I'm into that. That's a, that's a, a great option, but yes. yeah, um, I'm just having a look on their website now. They do make some really good stuff. A really, really cool looking stuff as well, especially yeah. for um, offsets. Uh, they've got mm. some nice Jaguar that was, pickups. That was where I think they kind of um, made their name a little bit. Was was uh, was doing like Jazzmaster pickups because I, oh, really? I just feel like for ages, when, when we, even when we were at Gag, you just 
there was just hardly anything you could get in terms of replacement pickups for Jazzmaster. Um, yeah. You know, the the ones that came in the American guitar, in the, the American Jazzmasters were like American Vintage 65s and you could buy them. But a lot of the time people already had them and they wanted to change them out for something else. And I think Seymour Duncan maybe did some antiquities. Um uh, but yeah, other than that, it's I still just... slim pickings, isn't it? Yeah, I, I remember it being the same. Well, I think it's I think it's a lot better now. You know, there's there's the um, there's like you know there's a there's a whole host of uh, Fender aftermarket um, Jazzmaster pickups now. But like that's all fairly recent, and 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 I think that the Creamery really that's that that was certainly where like I say that was where I kind of heard of them first of all was people coming into into gack and saying like oh i've seen these do you know do you do these creamery pickups and it's like i have no idea what you're talking about mate um but yeah they do some really cool stuff really really cool stuff yeah Um, really good and they've been around a long time i need to get that they need to be the next pickup brand that i get on board with i think yeah sorry yeah you're gonna say oh i was gonna say just uh, we're talking of offsets i've recently become a member of the jazz master jaguar and offset guitar group on facebook oh i'm on that and Every day I am wowed by some of the uh, offset guitars that people have. Lots of love for obviously the classic Fenders, um, but there are some people with some parts casters. And I'm like, have you seen the fellow who's been building like wallpaper topped? um, Yeah, jazz offsets. Every yeah, he seems to have done a few of them now, and they always look amazing. Yeah, there's there's some amazing stuff. That's what um, uh, Paisley is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh no, yeah. Aware of that, so really you can do it with, with anything. I, I remember seeing there was some Fender Japan, um, like Paisleys, where they used, uh, I think it was like, yeah, traditional Japanese, uh, like wallpaper, and it was, that it, it was, cool. it, yeah, it was, it was amazing. They looked, they looked absolutely astonishing. Um, it's a shame that that never really. I think, I think with 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 all of these things, it's just. It's such a, it's got such niche appeal. Like even paisley yeah. and and uh, any anything wallpaper because you you know you have to cover it with such thick lacquer, yeah. um, and I think that puts a lot of people off, which right. is a shame because I think they look astonishing. That's uh, obviously the classic one of those is the uh, Steve Floral Gem, um, which is yeah wallpaper. Um, not wallpaper, actually, like curtains un- underneath. It's what? like some sort of flowery <laughs> material. Yeah, yeah, and they go for like crazy, crazy money. Um, I think the official model is, I think it was just called, yeah, Gem Seventy Seven FP, the uh, floor print, about four grand if you want to try and buy one secondhand now. Um, but yeah, the original right. ones were like a uh, curtain, a fabric underneath. Uh, and Chris, uh, Chris Squire, the. Chris Squire, the bass player from Yes, uh, his Rickenbacker 4001 was for a, for a while um, a wallpaper finish. And when he eventually took it off um, and he had it just refinished in like a vintage blonde, it was so sort of caked in there that it took loads of the wood with it and they had to kind of reshape it. Um, you, you know, not not to a different shape, but as in they had to sand the whole thing down. So the entire guitar was thinner and lighter and kind of more angled than an ordinary Rickenbacker 4001, which is why when they did the Chris Squire signature model, they reverse engineered it, found that it was a a different shape. And that was what was, you know, contributing to its, its weight and things like that. So they had to completely retool for the, uh, for the Chris Squire. Um, yeah, there you go. Cool that, is, guitar, that is mad. That, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was mad. They, you know, it, they totally ruined it, though, because 
the Chris Squire was vintage Bond. It just looked like a cool old Ricky. But because, you know, he was now an old dude rather than like a cool dude in yesterday's heyday, he was like, yeah, can I also have it with in black with blue flames? So he's yes. sort of... No, he, he ruined like his signature. But yeah, <laughs> sure. But um, but yeah, it was, it was cool. But... Uh, yeah, on, on my travels around Denmark Street, I, I saw some cool stuff. Yeah, I went into Wanjo, found a, a lovely. Um, oh, I, I think it was a, it was a '65, uh, a 1965 Dan Electro Longhorn bass, with that lovely sort of leatherette wrap that goes around the In whole the, thing. What, what color? Like the brown color. Copper burst. Yeah, yeah that, okay. that traditional yeah, yeah. copper burst. Oh, everything about it looked absolutely. Just gorgeous, properly worn. No, I, I toy with it often, but the um, the 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 reissues, there's they're, they're not. I guess they're faithfully made in that they are they're pretty cheaply, you know, put together, and the controls yeah. are only work so well. I guess I just I couldn't imagine myself trusting it. Just you know, embra- for, embrace embrace your inner fat mic, Joe. Yeah. Come on, <laughs> you've got to do it. But- you got to do it. Embrace, embrace it. Play, play linoleum. You can yeah, do it. I no. believe in you. Well, he used the short. He used the short horn, and he also had a, a thirty-four inch scale version. And he actually changed the bridge as well. He popped a, a proper sort of uh, like Fender S bridge, not Fender, but like a high mass bridge. Yeah, 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 yeah. He really, he basically, and he changed the tuners as well. He got rid of the sort of little button tuners and changed them for kind of a large sort of Y tuners on there. He he basically did everything to sort of make. It as close to not one of those bases as as possible, <laughs> yeah, while but still just getting the look. Like you kind of need to do that to make it. Yeah, you know, true, true. Yeah, I mean, I occasionally, playable. every now and again, that uh, Dyn Electron. I don't know if you remember. I did a uh, um, a brand of the week, like maybe four years ago, on on them. But Dyn Electron did. I think they were Italian, and they did like high quality Dan Electros. Okay. Um, every now and again, they one pop pops up and i think about it but you know most of the time the people that own them know that what they have is rare and good quality and so they tend yeah. to be they they tend to be like a bit of a commitment as far as a price point goes but gotcha but you know very I mean, it was it was lovely to see a, a copper burst longhorn it was very cool of course one joe always have i don't know entirely what the deal is i don't know if either of you do but one joe uh um seem to deal quite tightly with eco um and or echo right i think it's echo it makes sense to say echo i think i've only said it in my head so i'm saying echo but it's clearly echo now i'm saying it out loud but they of course they do like the new from old part vox teardrops and stuff like that so so wonjo always has kind of a range of teardrops which is great because they all look like fantastic old teardrops like you know they'll be newly finished but they're weighty properly built old and again you can like play it properly yeah well they're still yeah they're still sort of vintage you know pickups and vintage scales and string spacing so they're still a bit weird but yeah they're they're in good condition at least and they tend to be like around a grand which is very good good for something that's kind of old part so you know one of those that that guitar's like the most annoying guitar to uh like stop playing You know what I mean? With, yeah. You're fine Can't as take long your as left you're... hand off. No, 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 no. You're fine as long as you're playing it. As long as you're mm. as long as you're playing it, yeah. But then as soon as you yeah, if you're sitting down, it just falls over straight away. Or if you go and yeah. like, you know, put just put it on the floor 
you've got to make sure you've got a stand because it will just fall over immediately because they're just you know they're <laughs> so so annoying yeah yeah it was uh yeah they're they're, they're very cool I, th- I think about them often but uh but one joe's was fantastic for that and i went into no tom and of course they they have no tom have some really really fantastic stuff the stock tends to be very random like there was a fantastic gorgeous like shell pink bird town telly i'd never even heard of bird town before but it was relatively well priced and cool and shell pink but the thing that really caught my eye in uh in no tom was the shell pink ibanez Iceman with a a mint and sort of uh sonic blue uh angled stripe running across the guitar it sounds like you've just described a really fancy ice cream because <laughs> you're going at an ice man and you're like yeah it's sort of like it's like pink it's got it's got this fancy swirl on it i'm like oh, that sounds good i'll pay i'll pay 3.99 for that so what yeah. was it what um type of ice man was it was it uh was it a bolt on or was it a neck it was through? a bolt on no it was, it was a, a bolt on so, the- so it's one of the so it would have been the 300 maybe is that what they Possibly. were the, the ice been th- the Iceman 300, I think, were the, were the bolt-ons. They were the, the more affordable ones. Right. Um, right. Well, this one is certainly uh, coming in at 695, and that is that right, is an okay. unusual finish. Um, yeah, yeah I, I mean, I was, it sounds amazing. Oh, I was very close to purchasing, purchasing it for you, Jay. I reckon if it had been like uh, sort of 695 was just outside of the sort of uh, the sort of gimmick joke gift price point, I think. So you know, like wow, a, a couple of hundred pounds less, and I, I think I, you know, I would have got that for you. But, uh, oh, but that's yeah, really nice, of you, Joe. You're not I, worth uh, you're not worth six nine five to me. No, not worth six nine five. Well, that's fine. I mean, you know, you're not worth six pounds ninety. No, that's not true. No, you, I, I, I would definitely buy you a pint for six pound ninety five, but oh. maybe not seven quid. <laughs> thank you, thank you. But you know, on on the note of kind of like weird finished things in No Tom, No Tom, I I always go in there and I'm like, right, you know, I'm looking around for that five, seven, ten grand Gibson or Fender, something uh-huh. that's something that's been like gigged to to buggery, like it's really worn in. I I. I Love that you get all those random things there, but that that was not that was not what I found this time round. Weird finished things is what I did find this time round, including a pair of Gretsch Traveling Wilbury um, guitars, which I knew nothing about. I didn't even know what they were called until I posted a picture, being, you know, on the Guitar Nerds group, being like, "Look at these sort of Gretsch style things with these these weird finishes, aren't they cool?" And someone mentioned that it was a, a traveling. Wilbury guitar. So yeah, no, I, I didn't. I didn't know anything about this either. I guess so. These were so they were were they were they guitars that they used or were they yeah. just? Yeah, well, yeah, that's that's it. So before Gretsch kind of made its return to full scale guitar production in the late eighties, uh, they I guess you know they needed to raise some money, and they did a, a marketing tie in with the traveling Wilburys Super Group group to you know to create the opportunity so you know jeff lynn george harrison tom petty roy orbison and bob dylan uh were photographed with their their signatures their signatures were for their aliases within that band obviously um and uh and yeah uh, the idea is you know gretch could you know sell these as sort of future collectibles um but you know that it never really happened because they were you know they 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 made an awful lot of them and they were 
very low priced oh right you know, okay. ba- basic instruments so they've not so whilst i think collectors hoarded them initially they've never really become that that thing of legends that i think they that that people hoped they would i mean they did the job for gretch because you know it, it, it uh allowed gretch to get a you know a foothold back in in guitar manufacturer but um but yeah they were just functional cheap interestingly finished guitars but did you try one when you were there I, I didn't. I didn't. It's you know, it's 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 a very small shop, and there were quite a few people in there at the time. Right. Okay. Um. But uh. But I think the the one that really caught my eye was the the TW one hundred T, um. Which is their, it's it's a short scale, um, a, a, a very sort of short scale single cut with uh, just a single coil in the bridge and a single volume control in a gorgeous... So the burst is like white from the edges and then it's like all oranges, greens and blues sort of splattered across the uh, the instrument with a matching white headstock. But Yeah, really weird. I found one up for sale here for like 300 quid. Really? It seems pretty yeah. reasonable. Yeah, one of, one of the uh, comments was that, that you often get neck problems with these guitars. I mean, yeah, I guess that's just something that is, that is true of, a, you know, a lot of cheaply made instruments i suppose but uh but yeah i thought it was super cool i definitely consider there was no price on that one the larger one that had a humbucker similar thing but a, a larger body shape had a humbucker in the bridge and i think it was i think they had it priced up for around 800 pounds uh-huh. um but yeah really cool really interesting different looking guitars definitely something that i'd like to see if i can at least have a go on yeah so it's like a cool thing to have sitting around the house in any in any, any way it's weird again. It's like they've kind of put a print on it, uh, and I don't know whether the, whether it's. I guess it must be printed on, hmm. and then yeah, just burst around the edges. Done that white burst around yeah. the edges. Super really? super weird. Very cool. Super- no, I've not seen this before. Didn't no, wasn't aware exactly. of them. No, exactly weird. Good, you know, considering I guess that loads were made, who they were made for. You know, I'd I'd expect to. I've seen some, have some knowledge on what they are, but no, it was the, it was a it was a first for me. But the thing I really love about uh, about No Tom as well is the effects cabinets. They always have some great stuff. And Matt, I think I showed you they had one of the old big box, like huge, massive box electro harmonics octave multiplexes. Yeah, I do love those old big box electro harmonics pedals. And I was cleaning out the um, the loft the other day, and I remembered I have the old wooden box for my deluxe memory man. I'm like. This was cool packaging. I mean, it was also terrible packaging because remember working. Yeah, they, they in, broke. They, because yeah, they basically put no bubble wrap in them and then shipped them from America or China or wherever. And by the time they got, they just like smashed to pieces. Um, yeah. But it was a cool idea. One of the first electronics pedal I bought was a Russian small stone that came in that wooden box, and I can still remember that woody smell of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's very, very, very cool. It's a shame they discontinued it. I guess the last pedal I had in a wooden box was Chase Bliss. Wow. And obviously they've stopped doing that now because I think they've also realised expensive and highly impractical. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, what have you got in the old big box things at the moment? You've got a Memory Man and, and I a guess big, a Big and, Muff. And a Big Muff, that's about it. Right. Although I, I just have, I've got the Phaser. The Small Stone. I would yeah. like a Small Stone. Uh, yeah, I, I think, um, no, to be honest, no one is going to trump um al lawson friend of the podcast uh podcast listener al lawson i think he's just got a ridiculous electronics collection so all the stuff um so yeah I, I, and, and they're stupidly expensive now like if you're going to buy a deluxe memory man 
you might as well buy the new mini one that they've launched, which I guess maybe well, the, we'll talk the, about the, later. The the multiplexer was, um, I think it was one hundred and thirty five pounds in uh, in Noton, which I don't think is a is a is a lot. Oh, uh, I thought you were going to say the one that you've got. No, no. Like, oh, I, was gonna no, say, no I thought no. you meant like you bought it for that sort of money. That no. does seem very because what is it? Is it think it's, about buying it. It's an analog octave pedal, right? If I remember right, yes. sub octave generator. Yeah, it's just just sub. So it's it, yeah, it was just the sub side of a pog, I think. A pog, a mini yeah, pog. something like that. Because it's got Micro-pog, two filters Micro-pog. as well, hasn't it? So mm. there's a high filter yeah. and a bass filter. Um, and I think yeah, you can just get. I don't know if it actually shifts things down an octave or because there's a sub switch or on the more modern one. And I don't know if that actually switches an octave in and off. I'm not 100%. Um, Me neither. Me neither. But to be honest, I didn't care what it did. You know, it was just the old big box electro harmonics. They just look so cool. Cool and breaky. As soon as you step on that. Cool and breaky. I mean, I um, was wrestling around by deluxe mirror man the other day and i was like normally it's in a switcher and i was like, oh, i was just like plugging it in and i sort of like went to step on it and i'm like just just the big toe just carefully just pressing that switch in. i'm like the money that those deluxe memory mans go for now just like there's absolutely no way i want to break it although thankfully they're relatively easy inside so a switch can be you know replaced but at the same time like i really don't want to break this now they're going for about You're not gonna you're not going to do go go full J cross and uh, just put your foot through it in just, a gig. Yeah, middle of a show. I mean, we've talked about this on the podcast so many times. But yeah, I was using a one of the old big box. I totally forgot about this. Holy big box. Holy um, Grail. Holier or holiest? No, you didn't have. You um, didn't have the holiest. The holiest was the black one with the sliders. I think you had. Oh, maybe you did have that one. No, it was the holier in that case because yeah. it only had a couple of controls on it. But I, I remember so vividly. I, um, I mean, I'm still like quite leggy, but um, I on that tour, I was just, I was, I was doing this like that sort of emo hardcore band and I was just singing and I had my vocals going through um this reverb pedal and I was like going through I don't know it's just like yeah really leggy really flamboyant and I just like threw my leg up in the air as high as I could go and then slammed it down onto the pedal and unsurprisingly <laughs> my foot went straight through the pedal you're like six uh, foot four <laughs> I'm not that tall but like it just like yeah, of course it's broken. And I'd done it a few times during the tour and then that one was just like, oh, okay, well, that's the end. I, I have no idea where that pedal ended up. I think I gave it to someone and they were like, yeah, I'll fix it for you. And then I just never got it back. I, oh, I don't yes. really remember. but oh, So depressing. Yeah. I, I, but yes, very breaky. So you've got to be careful with them. I did have a holiest grail and... Now, so what was the hold? I don't. You said it was black. I don't remember it at all. The holiest. I remember there being like the the max and the. No, what this it is the, this is before this is before that. So, yeah. uh, oh, actually, that just reminded me. I do have another big box pedal because I've got a holy grail, uh, which has a really iffy switch. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, we've just right. talked about. It's like sometimes you turn it on, it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Best thing to right. do is never turn it off. Uh, but that is a great reverb, the uh, the Holy Grail. So that the Holy Grail, uh, which came in their kind of small metal plated box, sheet metal box. And that was their reverb with the one control. Then they had the Holy Grail, which was the same size as the, like, the Poly Chorus and the Deluxe Memory Man. 
Um, just just having a look at this, like the the thing that always freaked me out about it, and I completely understand it now. But obviously, you know, whenever I had this, so it would have been like 2010, 2011. So I'd only been working at GAC for a year or so, and um, looking back on it, it's like it's clear my issue was with the gate. Like I didn't understand what gated reverb was, and the, one of the big things about the Holier Grail is it's got like two controls for the gated re- for the gate. And uh, I just remember sometimes using it, just being like, why is this not working? Why does this sound so rubbish? And it's like, you just had to have the gate set to off and then it would just be, you'd be fine. Um, but yeah, clearly I was I just not really paying attention. I mean, just not learning how to use the gear, basically. Just, just not understanding life, but... reverb. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, yeah the, the Holy Grail was one reverb control with Spring Hall and Flurb. And then the Holy Grail was spring hall flurb and gate and i think it had a gate control on it as well if i remember rightly spring at uh, the holy earth yeah. sorry did the holy spring hall flurb and room oh room but then and it had the but gate then you had but it had the gate control and it had like a, so you've got the gate control you could change so it was just the reverb reverb and the direct signal or off and then you had a gate threshold control and then you've also got the um like a uh, an option for long and short and you could reverse the gate as well so like i mean obviously i didn't know what the bloody hell i was doing (laughs) with it so when i when i used it often it sounded rubbish which is probably why i was a bit annoyed with it but um you know Um, learn how to use your stuff learn how to use your stuff don't go down the map the Matt Knight wrote, read yeah, read the manual. manual. Read that manual. It's probably, on the, it's probably on the EHX website still. Yeah, yeah. I think it probably is. <laughs> um, oh, my God. This is up at 380 quid. Oh, dear, Jay. Told you. Good Lord. Well, that is crazy you need to You need to find money. that mate of yours. Oh, no idea where it went, mate. <laughs> um, oh, my goodness. Like, just looking at, like, I'm just on uh, on Reverb. The, the, the prices have just shot up recently. But, like, yeah, the last few have gone for 200. Well, I mean, it's sort of all over the place. 230 quid for a new one, for a mint one. 100, 120, 100 quid, 150 quid, 150 quid. So, actually, that one that I was looking at before is probably just, like, a bit speculative. But... Even so, yeah, that last one sold one sold just a week ago for like over two hundred quid. That's wow. God dear, honestly, what is oh, just what a stupid idiot. <laughs> but um yeah, and then after that you had the holiest grail, um, which I think I had at some point and I wish I still had, because this is these are pretty uh, pretty damn rare now um by by the looks of it. Um but the the holiest grail was Rather than having four reverb algorithms and then, you know, like usual uh, decay controls, this was one spring and one hall, I think, that you could mix together in a mixer. So you had an output mixer section, which was three sliders, dry, spring and reverb. He then had a reverb section, which was decay, damping, and diffusion. And then you had your pre-delay, which was time and feedback with an input gain. And this was way Ooh. before your Strymons and everyone knew what mm. decay and damping was. I think I had one and was, again, was a bit like, I don't really understand this. Um, and it had MIDI, which for a guitar pedal that came out in, what, 2000? I mean, pretty 
pretty out there. Um, it also had an expression pedal input, so you could sweep between all of uh, all of the settings. Uh, obviously, came in a massive box. Had two presets on the front. I think you could have eight presets total. Um, wow. Yeah, really cool. Uh, basically, uh, impossible to find. And as I said, that I've just found one for sale in the US for three hundred and fifty dollars. Um, yeah. So yeah, one of those one of those ones. I must admit, I would be torn between <laughs> um, that or a sixteen second delay. And actually, if you go to Electronics website, they've got it in their archive. Their last post about it was in 2005 with Nick Zinner from the Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's going, yeah, I've got a Pog and a Holiest Grail. I'm like, those were the days. The dream days. Yes. <laughs> those were the days. Well, I mean, for you, that's still today. <laughs> that is like, still today. Those were the days. Um, but yeah, those... I just found a... Sorry, Jay, just found a really good... Art- so yeah, I just found a really, a, a really funny article on the Catlin Bread website where... Um, there's uh there's a section on there where they are just like talking about pedals i guess i've not i've not noticed this before but this is from earlier this year it's from january 2021 and uh it is uh i guess this is one of the people from catlin bridge is kind of like waxing lyrical about pedals that they like and uh i'm just gonna read you this section of the, the opening paragraph about the holiest grail when you visit the Louvre, I mean, okay, first of all, you know we're going down a funny route here. When you, when you visit the Louvre, you know you're going to see the Mona Lisa, the winged victory of Samothrace, and the code of Hammerberry. You, I, I think that's how you, no, neither did I, but like, you know, when you visit the Louvre, you know, you're going to see the, uh, the glass pyramid that they talk about in, um, Angels and Demons, the Dan Brown novel. That's what you know you're going to see. But anyway, right, that's, right. that's neither here nor there. Uh, you're also going to see a ton of other things that you've likely never heard of. And you know, just because they aren't featured attractions doesn't mean they don't belong amongst the world's best. I lay this analogy at your feet as I present to you one of my absolute favourite pedals of all time, the Electro Harmonics Holiest Grail. So that's a that's a. I'm gonna go back and read this later because that looks great. But the um, yeah, I mean, the, I I don't think I've ever seen one of these in real life, but it looks mad. It looks absolutely mad. Yeah, I yeah. um, I mean, I'm I'm no authority on um electroharmonics but there was a really good episode of the jhs pedal show on youtube where he met a friend of his who i want to say is called derek danger i think that's his name and he's basically got the biggest collection of electroharmonics pedals and merchandise probably in the world including like some original like point of sale displays from like the 60s of like the big muff wow, and stuff wow. and uh he's just saying that they just every, every month or you know he'll find something new that he didn't realize electronics made like they made stuff for sh- short periods <laughs> and like crazy like different finishes and and things like that and yeah i think uh, there's quite a few uh, big box pedals out there you sort of forget existed but they definitely had this kind of really out there period in in the early 2000s reissuing a lot of stuff from the 70s that i think was probably again just a bit before its time you know yeah um and just going yeah if you release that now people would be going mad for it but i think in two yeah. 2005 you know and 2006 we started working in gak and you saw that and, it, and then it was like a couple of hundred quid you're like 
that's expensive. No one's going to pay that for a reverb with MIDI. Who uses MIDI? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And now everyone's like, oh, yeah, I've realised now I need that like 20 years later. So can I pay like 500 bucks for it? Thanks. Wow. Yeah. Wow. What an incredible range of pedals. Indeed. Um, speaking of kind of like weird, expansive effects, one of the brands that I saw that was fantastic at, uh, at Notom um, which we, we've spoken a bit about before, but it kind of reminded me of them. I went back and wanted to look at the entire range was Fairfield Circuitry, um, who makes some fantastic kind of unique, interesting stuff. Everything from Fairfield Circuitry has the same look. It's just a, a plain, you know, cast aluminium box with these large um, sort of black teardrop uh, controls and then stamped text for what each control does. Um, I love the aesthetic. I love the commitment to the simplicity of that. There's certainly, you know, this is a brand that obviously very based around their parts being very premium because d- despite the fact that the artwork costs them virtually nothing, the price <laughs> of these pedals is uh, pretty premium. Um, well, a- but, as, you know, as they put on their website, unique and robust, made in Quebec. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of like that. I like that these are built to be functional. And uh, and they do some really interesting stuff. Like uh, if you look at their range, the horse door d'oeuvres, the, which is an active feedback loop. Um, that's very cool. I love the fact that they have the Model B, which is an always on uh, their their drive called the barbershop. So they have a, a barbershop, which is their um, just their their normal, quite functional, transparent overdrive, which which just has volume, sag, and drive. They put that into a, a kind of a mini pedal, horizontal mini pedal with no foot switch. So it is always on, still with the volume, drive, and sag controls. My um, um, my favourite one of the range, and something I wanted for a very, very long time, and they've had this in their range for a very long time, because I remember Andy, Pro Guitar Shop Andy, demoing this a very long time ago, is Randy's Revenge, um, which is their ring modulator ring mod because uh, yeah. you know you'd always go what what do i need on my pedal board that i don't have ring modulator and uh this one always just sounded wicked um yeah, yeah. It, it yeah it looks fantastic I, I really like the look of their they have a parametric eq uh with a tilt um which they call the long life which looks absolutely fantastic it, there's so much on here that looks brilliant i really i i think i really want that always on barbershop it's very very cool um, but there's a fantastic range of stuff. The, the, they, they do a couple of fuzzes, the Unpleasant Surprise and uh, and the 900 as well. But really worth checking out, dear listener, at fairfieldcircuitry.com if you've not checked out the brand before. They do some very, very cool stuff indeed. Yeah, definitely a brand we don't talk about very much, but they do make some good stuff. No. They do, they do. Now, you know, now at the uh, at this... Um, at this event on Denmark Street the next night, Matt, you, you obviously you came down. Jay, you were you were out seeing a friend of the podcast, Dan Grace. Yes, um, I was. I'm afraid otherwise expo- uh, exposed. No, <laughs> no, that's not that isn't what I meant. Otherwise, uh, pre no, I was busy. I was busy. You, you I, were busy. I, you were busy. I got my I got my days mixed up, which I was yeah. uh, I was annoyed about because I wanted to come up and see you. But um, Ma- Mark yeah, Packer managed to tie in both. He did. He did both. But um, you know, the thing you've got to remember there is, I have a job that I actually do. So um, he just like swanned up in the middle of the day, I guess. Yeah. So, so that's that. But uh, but no, I I uh, was very disappointed I couldn't come up. But um, you know, 
we are. It was good. It was good. Because, of course, what, one of the things we were doing there was we were launching. We've done this signature. Ashdown have done this signature head for um, for Guy Pratt of, uh, of Pink Floyd. The Interstellar. Um, oh, is that what it's called? So, uh, it's called the Interstellar, oh, obviously, after, after the what, track. I'm, I'm massively into Stella Me. Like, you know, <laughs> three or four cans a night usually. Bloody love it. All right, yes. It's uh it's it's uh it's it's called the the Interstellar um after the after the pink floor. I hope track. I've ruined that for you now. <laughs> you, you really have, yeah. Because <laughs> Guy Pratt is now he is fronting he's he's singing and playing bass in Nick Mason's Source Full of Secrets, which is uh, you know, Nick, Nick Mason, obviously, also from Pink Floyd. It's uh, it's essentially a cover band of Pink Floyd, but perf- performing all the old stuff, um, uh, all the all the seventies. Basic, uh, basically, basically everything. Stuff. I think, as I was talking to Lee, who's one of the who's one of the guitar players. I think he was the one that came up with the original concept. Lee Harris. Lee Harris. Yeah, he yeah. was the one that came up with the original concept. And he's like, I want to do Pink Floyd songs. Anything up to. Um, but not beyond or including Dark Side of the Moon. Um, and a lot of stuff they do is early Sid Barrett stuff as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah, so. kind of some of the more, I, not necessarily obscure if you're into Pink Floyd, but you're not going to be hearing money, let's say that. Um, yeah. <laughs> or anything from the wall. Um, but yeah, very very cool, and requires a very particular bass tone, I think, Joe. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's very very vintage, isn't it? I mean, like you know, what's Guy Pratt is is very much known for his his Betsy, his jazz bass, uh, which he has a, a a signature model version of. It's just a he has a um, a, a a gorgeous burgundy mist sixty two jazz bass that he has loaded with EMGs. There's a signature model of it made by Bass Collection at the moment with a similar vibe and, and the EMGs, but that's the bass he's known for. Obviously, he also has a signature model made by Status, a graphite bass. But for this, he's going very old school, which is very becoming of the music. So he's playing a Rickenbacker 4001 for the bulk of the set. And the the amplifier is very much built around that. So a while ago, like Ashdown had made him a couple of cabs, made him three tens, vertical three tens with the tweeters on the top. So they look like those old Wem um, PA speakers. And uh, um, so he has a couple of those and the Interstellar is designed very much to look like an old sort of Wem style PA head. So it's just a, a big chunky head that goes on top. Actually, it's the guts of it are, are very much based on the ABM, uh, just the ABM six hundred. So it is. Go- My cat is going crazy loud out here. Can everyone hear? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry, Ava, Ava, I'm podcasting. You will have to wait. Oh, yeah, that's okay. Let's shut her up. All right. Yeah. So. Uh, so the guts of it are very much based on the ABM 600 and he's just he's tweaked a few things but he's popped it in this big old housing to make it look like a kind of that WEM PA speaker sort of thing. Um but yeah it looks fantastic. And we of course that's what we were doing. We were launching that so we had a little bit of live music and we had Matt you got to see some of that. We got we had Bernie Marsden come down from White Snake. Yeah, so he's got his little um, boss pedal we- board with him. Love it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we had Zach Starkey on drums, and uh, and then yeah, uh, Guy Pratt played uh, played bass, um, and they did a, a a load of cool 
you know, just sort of blues standards, uh, uh, really. Um, but it was, uh, I think, it was very um, cool. And, and sorry, Joe. Go on. I was going to say also, you know, for uh, for some of the night, it wasn't just Guy Pratt who played bass. Dale Davis, um, who I, I guess is most well known for being Amy Winehouse's bass player, he uh, he jumped on. He played bass for for a bit as well. Um, but uh, you know, uh, Bernie Marsden was just going through one of the little the new two watt Ashdown Peacemaker minis. Oh, it sounded great. Just a little two watt valve amp. Yeah, that's I Joe. I, we should. At some point, deep dive into some of the Ashdown stuff because why haven't we talked about the Charvo? Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. everyone loves System of a Down, and he's got his own signature bass amp. Although I must admit, I think one of the coolest looking ones is the um, the Head of Doom geezer butler and mm, one of the, the images on the website is how you can run four amps into twelve caps. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry, four, four amps into eight cabs um, because that's what he runs live. And they're like, yeah, you've got to be able to do that. I'm like, that is fair enough. Um, Ridiculous. But that that's very cool. But although from a guitar perspective, we've never really talked about the CTM30. Uh, the classic oh, right, tube yeah. magnifier looks very cool. 499. Well, the, the CTM30 is actually bass. It's a 30-watt bass amp. Oh, right. Although we... It is available as a guitar, like voiced for guitar, and I think it's the AGM four eight four or something like that when it's when it's called the guitar version. But I love those little chassis. They're like, you, you know, it's like a it's a thin. It's almost a two U rack thing, but it's I don't know. It looks like an old radio. Yeah, I think um, um, it looks like it looks meaty. It looks like a bulldog. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like oh, it. Oh wait, what, what ones are, are, are you looking? With the CTM 30s existed in a couple of shops. Oh, I'm looking at the custom shop, the UK custom shop on the Ashdown website that you probably uh, look at daily, Joe. Um, it looks like an old um, Fender head, which is why I assume, um, not Fender, like Marshall head, which is why I assumed uh, it was a, is a guitar amp. Um, um where where are you on the, Ashdown. On the UK made custom shop? Yeah. yeah. And then products, UK made custom shop, CTM 30. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that one! I see. I yes, I apologise. Right, yeah, yeah, the uh, one that, that looks like a bulldog. <laughs> yes, I understand that. That is the little bastard chassis, just redone ah. in tweed, and we've popped the CTM thirty. The CTM thirty normally comes in a in a much slimmer, um, yeah, like a two U sort of chassis, like long and slim. But uh, but yeah, they did it in that tweed one for something like the twentieth anniversary. We still we still occasionally make bits and bobs when it, but it's a cool chassis, isn't it? I really like it. You can get like the little bastard five fifty, but unfortunately, yeah, the guitar one doesn't come in that chassis. I really wish it did. Actually, it's it's definitely the coolest, coolest looking one. Yeah, that's that's but, a really cool little bass amp. I think that's wicked. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. It was cool. But yeah, um, I, you know, I it was it was it was great to hear um bernie master makes some great sounds out of that old prs he was playing and just a little board of very simple boss pedals yeah if, um, uh, i think an sd1 a c e ch1 and an rv5 i think if i remember rightly nice. i think i've got all yeah. of those signed in my office somewhere <laughs> from bernie master from about <laughs> 10 years ago <laughs> 
yeah he was great he was a lovely fellow as well and just sort of you know like an effortless player the the guy pratt uh and and him and and zach stark it wasn't a planned thing they just sort of worked out some stuff i know it was just it was essentially blue standards but um but it was great to get to see them sort of make cool noises in a in at the back of a tiny shop mm. whilst we were all drinking ashdown beers yeah I, I would say if anyone gets the chance definitely go and see uh source full of secrets it's a very good psychedelic show and yeah some some great bass tones yeah yeah absolutely now uh that's pretty much all the time we have for on this week's episode of the guitar nerds podcast you can of course join us over on patreon at patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds for an entire extra episode every week you can become a patreon supporter for as little as a dollar a month at the dollar tier you get this episode ad free and early five dollars gets you access to our patreon special episodes and our back catalog and ten dollars gets you a lot plus i'll sing you my thanks at the end of every episode you can find us on all your favorite social media platforms and join the guitar group on facebook to get involved in our weekly episode discussion thanks for listening you've been lovely we've been the guitar nerds farewell cheers guys